Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. All right, rolling in now, our number two. Good to have you with us as we continue on the morning drive. Eric, a little under the weather today. We hope he gets well soon. We'll be back on the show Monday in his stead. Nick Miller is here from Fox 31 Sports. Uh, we appreciate him taking time out of a very early morning after a quick turnaround uh, last night. But that's the way this guy is. He gets his head down and he gets the tough yards. So we appreciate it. He plays between the tackles. That, that, and that's what you want out of guys. All right. It's the toughest game of the season coming up on paper. It's the most balanced team on offense and defense that the Broncos will have seen in the Ravens. How much of a chance do the Broncos have to even make a statement in this game or is this the least enthusiastic we've been about the Broncos' chances of any game going in at any time this season? Bruce, I was thinking about this driving to work yesterday. Uh, I was watching a little bit of the Ravens' last game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, was listening to Lamar Jackson's press conferences where he's visibly upset with questions being fielded to him. Oh, he was messing with social media last week. He was messing with social media. Yeah, let it go. But here's the thing about Lamar is I don't think the social media, I think like he responds like like any human being would, but I don't think it really affects him. I think what affects him is they haven't given him a contract yet. And the league, when it talks about quarterbacks, is Patrick Mahomes, it's Josh Allen, now it's Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I think Lamar Jackson this year has made it his mission to try to make a point. And when you have a game against the Denver Broncos and you are coming off a loss against Jacksonville where you get kind of get woken up a little bit and now you're tied with Cincinnati for the lead in the AFC North, this is a perfect opportunity for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to go out and send a message to the National Football League by beating up on a team like the Denver Broncos who have struggled mightily this season. That's not breaking news. So... To answer your question, I don't have a lot of hope that the Denver Broncos will be able to put up a fight in a matchup against a team who is as well-rounded as you'll find in the National Football League, stout offensively, stout defensively, and something we haven't talked about. I'm sure you and I have talked about it, but the special teams for the Broncos have been awful this year. The special again, teams for again, the, yeah, again, yeah, again, the special teams for the Ravens might be one of the best in the National Football League. So. At all three phases, the Broncos are at a disadvantage. So what does that spell? Not a good Sunday coming up for the Orange and Blue. I have certain catchphrases that I use in terms with the Broncos. One of them is the cure for what ails. That's what the Broncos have become. The cure for what ails virtually anyone that they play. Another way to say it is that the Broncos have become everybody's homecoming game. Oh, Josh McDaniels is on the hot seat. Oh, here's a victory. Yeah, there in you overtime. go. Absolutely. Get, get well, get well against the Broncos, the cure for what ails. So in this game, we look at the Broncos offense. Most of the season, all of us have been waiting for a little bounce. At some point, it's going to hit. At some point, they're going to score more than the what? 
14.3 or 7 or 14, whatever it is right now, 14 and a half points a game. At some point, they're going to break out and we're going to see something. Really? Are we? Do we really think that now? Don't hold your breath. Right? You were at it last week. You saw a team that basically scored three points until that last touchdown to Brandon Johnson. That last touchdown got it to double digits. Are they going to score 14 points in this game against a defense that really is okay against the run but not particularly good against the pass? People have scored plenty of points against the Baltimore Ravens. And the sad thing about it, Bruce, is like you can tell where the game is going based on like the first two to three drives. Right. Because it's the same thing. It's a run, run, incomplete punt. Incomplete, incomplete, incomplete punt. And then all of a sudden you see Russell Wilson walk to the sideline. You see the defense trot and the body language. I'm big on body language just because you place I you know, I played for coaches who were adamant that when you're on the court and when you're in front of people, you don't allow them to see any emotion negative. It's all about lifting up your teammates. The body language of this team has been horrendous. And you can tell the first two offensive drives, if it's three and out, they're going to trot to the sideline as if like somebody had just kicked their puppy and you know there's nobody on that sideline that's lighting a fire under anybody. No. I mean, and I love Russell Wilson, but his power of positivity, it only works if they're winning, which right. they're not. And so there's not a guy on the sideline that can light a fire and be like, yay, let's go. And that just poor demeanor of body language, it continues throughout the game. And you can really tell where a Broncos game is going based on just showing up, yeah. you know what they're going to do offensively. But really on those first couple drives, you can tell like, okay, they might score six points today. Uh, Eric's big on this question and, and I'll pose it to you. Um, the Broncos obviously are out of the playoffs. They don't even bother with, with that discussion. I already booked my vac vacation after uh, the last game against the Chargers. That's well done. A, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Well baby. done. Well done. Uh, do we really even care? Are we, are we to that point in the season? Do we really even care about what happens in this game? I do. Because you only have 17 of these things. And I don't care how good or, well, I don't care how bad you get. There are always those little stories beyond under the surface that are playing out. Brandon Johnson's a really good, right now is a good story. You're talking about a guy that was good in training camp, for instance. Then got injured right at the end of training camp. Might have made the team coming out of training camp. Gets injured. Then he's on the beach for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, the Broncos finally bring him back. Now he's essentially starting in this receiving group. Now that's, with respect to Brandon, that's not a good thing because they've got some issues in that receiving core without Jerry Judy and without K.J. Hamler, without Tim Patrick right now. We understand that. But there are stories like that. Dalton Reisner is the only guy that has played every single game along that offensive line. But they haven't offered him a contract yeah. for next year. There are all kinds of stories like that dotting this roster. We talk about Russell Wilson all the time. What kind of hay can Russell Wilson make possibly in the next six weeks? I'll bet you it's pretty important to Russell Wilson right now you may have some guys that have checked out, and I don't blame those guys that have checked out. 
But I'll bet you that there are some guys, and Russell Wilson is probably one of them, that's probably grinding a little bit to find some kind of rhythm just so that he himself, maybe his teammates, and maybe some out there in Broncos country can say, okay, okay, maybe there's a little something here that we can build off going into the offseason. Yeah, and I'm not big on, like, rhythm for the end of one season carries right. to the beginning. I don't believe in that I don't because either. teams I'm with you. change. Right. And right. listen, January to September, that's a long time. You're not going to go walk into week one and be like, hey, remember week 16? We ran that one post rap <laughs> pattern that worked. Let's do it again. Like we had great rhythm seven months ago. I do believe, however, that what can translate from season to season is winning culture. Yeah. Even if you don't like I don't care about the wins and losses for the rest of the season. That's something that I don't care about. Right. I do care about what you alluded to, guys like Dalton Reisner, guys like uh Brandon Johnson. You doing things, making winning plays and building winning culture. I think that does translate from year to year. Because if you check out of one season, who's to say you're not going to be fully in to the next season? So what I want to see from the Broncos is effort. I want to see more Mike Purcell yelling at people, being like, let's go. That's what I want to see in the final six games of the season. They could go 0-6, but if they fight like the Detroit Lions play with every single week, then I'm going to go into the offseason like, okay, we have a base. We can build upon it. But if they go 3-3 and and it's the same story and it's awful, I'm going into the offseason like, all right, well, we got to tear this thing down and build it up again. Oh. And like I said, you haven't been here the last six years. <laughs> I mean, you talk about rinse and repeat. How about drown and repeat? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now with this quote-unquote rebuild. And this is the argument, and we'll talk with Cody Rourke about this coming up here in just a few minutes. This is the problem with jettisoning after one year the coach, the staff, and starting anew, because there is the dreaded learning curve, right? (laughs) And that's what every new staff coming in counts on having, a learning curve. It's going to take us a while to get into this. Broncos countries, they don't have a while anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know what? This fan base is as good as any fan base in the NFL. They show up. They are loyal. They are vocal. And you know what? More power to them. They've earned that over time by being loyal to this football team and hanging with them through the good times and now the really bad times. But man, this is an impatient fan base now. And they've earned it. I think everybody is impatient. And this is part of the problem of Nathaniel Hackett coming in and I'm sure that he's overwhelmed at this point. And, 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 and you know, the, the barbarians are at the gate. And he, I'm sure he's thinking, well, hell, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get two years to do this, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, no, because you've had six years of mediocrity or worse that's predated this. And you came in with expectations. You came in with a quarterback. All of the things that they hadn't had in the last six years. Man. <laughs> We are at a boiling point in this city with this football team. And I don't know what direction it's going to go. I don't know where the fans are going to, 
how they're going to express themselves beyond what they've done already through social media and things like that. But you know what? They can also express themselves by disinterest, apathy. Their anger could be even worse than that. Because I will always say the worst thing is apathy. It's not being pissed off at the team because that at least shows that you care a little bit. The worst thing is when everyone says, ah, the hell with it. And that's where I'm concerned about where things are right now. All right. In a moment, we'll see what Cody Rourke has to say about things. Our Broncos insider. That's coming up as we continue here on The Morning Drive. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. All right, a little killer's back from the break. Alex and Zach behind the window, making us sound better than we deserve. McMiller in from Fox 31 today. Uh, Eric, feeling a little under the weather, will be back with us uh, coming up on Monday. Eric had, let me make sure I've got this right, Alex. Two root canals and and a and a crown, right? Two root canals and a crown. I think on on Monday. Yeah, Monday afternoon. <laughs> I mean, two root canals and a crown. He he said that he was in there from like twelve thirty till about six thirty at night. Oh my god! Can you imagine? That's, wor- that's worse than watching Thursday night football. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Well, he made the comparison between you know watching the Broncos play <laughs> and, and his time in the in the dentist chair. So anyway, get well, Eric. We'll see you on Monday. All right, time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. And as we head out on the hotline, another one of our buddies that's been under the weather this week. Cody, did I see you on Monday? But that's all I've seen you this week, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh. Monday for uh, the post-Carolina Hackett presser and... Then the next day, I woke up and I felt like I got hit by a bus. So, mm. yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a it's been a week, gentlemen. I've missed being out there and seeing all you guys, but uh, you know, obviously, got to feel a little bit better first. Okay, well, I hope that uh, you're on the mend. You sound good at the very least. So we've got that. No, I was bad yesterday. My voice is be- is better today. Okay, much better. Good. <laughs> all right, Cody. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we Nick and I talked about the mess that is uh, the Denver Broncos. And, and things like this happen when, frankly, there's nothing better to talk about with the Denver Broncos. All of a sudden, we're now taking attendance at uh, birthday parties, and we're talking about who's lost control of the locker room and things of that nature. Could you have ever imagined a scenario where we would have a week like this, where there's been very little talked about as it relates to football, but plenty 
talked about as it relates to the silliness and all of the things on the outskirts of the game. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of par for the course, right, on how this season has gone. And I think really a lot of it, you know, I, I heard uh, I heard Todd Davis's interview with you and, and Goodman earlier on this week. I definitely think there are some interesting things there. And then shortly after that, we hear from uh, Pelissero and Garofolo about what they had said, you know, and they're very well-connected. I mean, they're probably two of the most well-connected people inside the National Football League and, you know, around various teams, coaches, executives, and the whole stuff about Russell Wilson and, you know, teammates kind of looking at him all side-eyed with some of the stuff that was going on there. Um, you know, I think just like, you know, because the team is losing, these things are easier to get out right. or they're easier to become the center of attention, right? And I think that with everything that happened last week, I mean, Mick and I, we were sitting next to each other in Carolina, and we were, you know, we were like, oh, something happened with Mike Purcell, Russell Wilson, and we were looking it up on social media and all that stuff. And so when there's that as well, when something like that comes out, more of these things are going to come out eventually. Um, and then obviously, yeah, the whole birthday thing. I'm not going to really comment too much on that. I think that's, it's, you know, that's one of those things like, ah, you know, who cares? Um but the reality is, like, this is a football team that has not won. And this is the thing that defines who they are this season. And, you know, for me, gentlemen, I would personally just like to see this team rally around all the noise this season, galvanize together, and, you know, hey, maybe, like, get a shocking win on the road. Like, it seems unlikely at this point. Like, we can all see, like, ah, we don't think that Denver's going to win. But, you know, I think it would be a great time for them to rally together. And you want to see something like that happen? Why not this weekend? Cody, if I don't get an invite to your birthday party, I'm leaking it to Adam Schefter, and I want to see it on every single sports talk show in Denver. I mean, like you said, it's getting kind of silly, but I got to ask you, I mean, before coming to Denver, I was in Washington for three years and got to cover Russell Wilson a little bit, kind of from afar, and he is the same person today that he was three years ago when I arrived in Washington. But it yeah. seems like now it's open season on Russell Wilson, whether it's his former teammates, his former coaches, media members. It feels like people have been salivating at an opportunity to get in front of a microphone and get in front of a camera and bash Russell Wilson. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, like I said, I, I thought I saw something good on Twitter yesterday that kind of pointed out because what, what's one of the number one things we always hear about Russell Wilson, we hear people say, oh, he's corny. Well, it's like, what, you know, what does that mean? Like, why do people just constantly say, okay, well, this guy's corny? The reality is somebody, I, I think this is funny. Somebody wrote on Twitter, I always think corny is a funny insult because it's basically a stand-in for saying, I don't like that guy and I don't have a good enough reason why. It's like wearing a sign around your neck saying, I'm bothered. Um so it's like, you know, Russell Wilson, like, and I agree with you, he has been the same person, I mean, since college. Like, this is just who he is. He's, he's this laid-back, kind of funny, goofy guy. Like, he, he never means harm to anybody. He never does anything you have to worry about off the field. I think that some people get rubbed the wrong way, you know, when it seems like, you know, stuff about his brand gets posted about, you know, when they're losing. But, I mean, there's, there's requirements you have to fulfill when you have these deals with various partners. You have to do it, whether you win, lose, or draw. That's just part of the game. Um, but because Russ is struggling, having the worst year of his career, and you have all these other guys who in Seattle, like the Richard Sherman, the KJ Wrights, that felt a certain way, it's crazy because Bobby Wagner never feels this way about Russell Wilson. So I, th- I think that ultimately those guys have some sort of – they didn't mesh well. They don't mesh well. Those guys' personalities never mesh well with Russell Wilson. And now that he's struggling, it's a victory lap for them. 
Um, but, you know, Russ has time to turn things around. Is it going to be this year? Probably not. But, you know, you have to have hope that he's going to play better next year. Cody, are you surprised that uh, the Broncos have not offered an extension to Dalton Reisner? Um, I'm not entirely surprised, no, because Dalton has struggled the last couple of years. But I also think that uh, when you go back and you look at the film, I think Dalton, his rookie season, had a really terrific year. And then the next year when they got Lloyd Cushenberry, he struggled because a lot of the communication stuff, I mean, Lloyd Cushenberry, I think, is a big reason why Dalton Reisner has struggled, which is, you know, is odd to say. But when you have so many miscommunication issues on the interior, that's where we've seen that pressure on the inside that has impacted the Broncos. There's things that Dalton could do better, absolutely, in his game. But I don't think it's entirely on him as to maybe why not. But I think George Payton is looking at every option right now and could be looking at an entirely different offensive line, maybe outside of Quinn Miners, going into next season. I already know the answer to this question, but I'm interested to hear your perspective. If you look at the Colorado Avalanche, they exercised patience with Jared Bednar, and he has developed into one of the best, if not the best coach in the National Hockey League. When you look at Nathaniel Hackett, if at the end of the season or during the season at some point, they decide to move off this first-year head coach who is learning how to be a head coach in the National Football League, why is it that the Avalanche could be patient with Jared Bednar, but the Broncos cannot be patient with Nathaniel Hackett? This is a great question. I think it's because there's a there's probably a louder a louder sense from the fan base, right? I mean, this is a Broncos fan base, and this is what I've tried to exercise the Broncos country as well. You know, they're they're grouping up this year's struggles with the last six seven years, but there's different right. regimes in these last six to seven years of struggles. You can't if we operate in this mentality because the solution for Broncos country every year, if, if something's not working out, fire, cut, trade this person, this coach, you know, whatever it may be. You're never going to find solidarity. You're never going to find continuity if you do that. And that's what the Broncos have done, gents, because you look at offensive coordinator, you look at quarterback coach, you look at QBs. Like, how many quarterbacks have the Broncos gone through since Peyton Manning? Like, you're never going to find your footing if you're just doing a revolving door of coaches and whatnot. You can never just firmly build a culture. I think that's where the the tough part is, And, and I agree, like, you know, I think that football, because there's fewer games, there's a louder sect of the fan base that is very impatient about that. And I just think that now you have a situation where you have two, you know, you have a coach and a quarterback who probably just don't mesh well together, as we've come to find out. And you have you made the investment in Russell Wilson, so the ownership group they're going to have a tough decision to make. Like, all right, do we try to hire our own guy and then firmly commit to that coach for? however many years. I think that's what has to happen. Like, if the Broncos are going to move on from Hackett after this year or during the season, whoever they decide to go with, they need to commit to that person. They need to let that coach struggle if the team is going to lose. But you need to build that culture. And as you said, you need to you need to find a way to develop. Cody Rourke, who uh, hosts the Afternoon Drive uh, from 4 to 6 each uh, day here uh, with us as our Broncos insider. Okay, Nathaniel Hackett is no question paying for the sins of his father's. Um, but having said what you just said, chances that Nathaniel Hackett returns for next year. I, I think there's a chance, you know, and, and I think it's something that nobody right now thinks because of just how bad the team has been. I, I part of me wonders, I think there's some other stuff going on behind the scenes. You know, obviously we'll find out maybe like four five, six, seven, eight, maybe 10 years from now down the road sure. in a memoir or something. Yep. Um, 
but the reality is, you know, for a guy like Nathaniel Hackett, he, he's also in a position, despite how the season's going, he's got to preserve his reputation, right? And if there's other things behind the scenes, and, and there's been some things that I've been told with, you know, by some people that have some close connections, that there is there has been this push for Russ to kind of drive Hackett out, which, you know, like how, how much of that is true, I'm not entirely sure. But the reality is, if you're Hackett, like, you know, you became first-year head coach. You've been a well-respected coach for quite some time. How do you preserve your reputation after such a disaster, right? And I think that's where, you know, if you're Hackett, as we've known, he's always been a guy that's like, I love this guy, I have so much respect for this guy. He's got to also protect his own reputation. And, you know, if there's something that was going on, you gotta got to say something. you got to give that information because as a coach, you know, you have to preserve your reputation as well. And I think Hackett's a great coach. Unfortunately, it's just not working um, in, here in Denver. Does that mean he can turn around? Yeah, possibly. But is the ownership group willing to give him another year? I'm not quite sure that's going to be the case. And Cody, I already booked my vacation for January 9th because I know this team's not going to the playoffs. So I'm one, two, three, Cancun. I'm ready for vacation. But for the Denver Broncos, and Bruce and I talked about this, we're not big believers in, you know, rhythm from January 1st will carry to September 2nd because it's going to be a completely different team. And let's be honest, six to seven months gaps between football, that's a long time. However, we don't really care about the wins and losses in the remaining six games of the season. We want to see kind of moments like Mike Purcell being like, hey, let's go, light a fire, passion, working hard. What do you want to see from the Denver Broncos in the final six games of the regular season? I want to start to see them be competitive all around offense, defense, special teams. I want to see them be in games to a point where, you know what, even if they lose on a last-second field goal, you're like, okay, you know what, they were actually competitive, though. It wasn't the same story we've been seeing the first 12 weeks of of the season, these guys are competing. They're fighting. We haven't seen that yet for this from this team. We've seen it, and obviously, you know, you have the Houston game that was early on. You have the Jacksonville game that was a little bit early on as well. But you you have to you have to see that. I, I would like to see them. Can you find a way to sneak one against Kansas City? Right, someone you have not beaten in quite some time. Can you get one against Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers? If Denver can find a way to compete, there's things that you can build on, especially going into next season. Um, that's what I want to see. I just want to see them be competitive. I want to see them be in games and have a chance. All right, Cody. Sounds good. Stay on the mend, my friend. Thank you very much for your insight. Appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. See you guys next week. There he goes. You can hear him. Cody Rourke, 4 to 6 each day on the afternoon drive. When we come back, a coaching voice in Denver with a strong message. The timing who it is, and what it's about when we continue here on The Morning Drive. And I'm quite aware we're dying and you're here. Baby, here I am, I'm a man. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. All right, rolling along on a Friday. Headed down the back stretch. Final word coming up in just a moment. Wanted to change, wanted to change um, attitudes a little bit. Wanted to change subject a little bit, a little change up for the show. 
so I'm going through things the other night, and the rock the Rockets had been in town for a couple of days, taking on the Nuggets, and the Nuggets won consecutive games in pretty similar fashions, kind of you know got out on them, stiff armed them, never really allowed them to get in the game, didn't really overwhelm them, but still won fairly comfortable games against a bad team. Now, remember, this is the same Nuggets team that lost at home to the Detroit Pistons, who had come in, I think, 0-8 at that point on the road. So, And it's a Nuggets team that over the last few years, their head coach, Michael Malone, has taken exception to consistency, effort, uh, energy, and focus. Well, the tenor this year is a little bit different. This is after a double-digit win the night before last against the Houston Rockets. I said to the coaches at halftime, I'm more nervous now being up whatever we were up than I was before the game. I know this team. I've seen it time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. And it's frustrating because we talk about all the things that we want to do, well, let's go out there and be pros. Be, be some grown-ass men and handle your business. So, again, I'm not Debbie Downer. I'm really excited that we won the game, protected our home court. We had lost two in a row before this homestand. That is great, but I just want to see our team mature and understand that consistency is going to be what allows us to be a team that can go deep. Man, the two dudes that run the pro franchises in this town in the winter are about some badass dudes, aren't they? And isn't that what we've been wanting from oh, the Broncos? Oh, man. Yes. Like, yes. A little bit of fire. Like, hey, it's okay to cuss out your star player. It's okay to cuss out everybody on the bench. Like, I love this from Michael Malone because for the last couple of years, you know, obviously the injury to Jamal Murray and that kind of stuff has hindered this team. And I think it's been frustrating for him to just go out there with Nikola Jokic and hope that the Joker can carry the team. This year, I think he sees what he has, he sees the potential and he looks across the Western conference and knows that he is not going to win games in November that will translate to April. He's trying to do something that is going to build and build and build. So when the end of the season comes, this team is tough, which is a criticism that from an admirer from afar, I've had about the Denver Nuggets yep. is they're the skinny jeans suburb basketball team. Wait a minute. Did you just go skinny jeans <laughs> skinny on them? Jeans. Skinny jeans. Open kicks. They don't tie their kicks. They, you know, uh, and- if they can't afford the holes in the kneecaps <laughs> and the jeans, they, they cut rip it up to make it look like they got it from oh, American Eagle. God. That's been my criticism of this team. And so I love this soundbite from Michael Malone. I love this mindset of this basketball team to start building something in December that will help you in May if you run into a Golden State Warriors team who used to be a skinny jeans basketball team, but developed into a hard-nosed, experienced basketball team who in the final five minutes, you know, some way, somehow, they're going to pull off a victory. You're right on target because this has been Michael Malone for a long time now, for the last few years. And he's weathered the storm with this team. The Nuggets have been good, but they're not trying to be good. They're trying to be great. Now, look, over the course of 82, 
There's going to be ebbs and flow in an NBA season. There's going to be load management. There's going to be things that make you say, are they really trying to win every time out? That's natural. But we've got a Michael Malone now that is that here's the difference. He feels he has a team right now that can win it all. I don't think that Michael Malone feels like he's had a team that could win it all anytime over the last few years. They got uh they got during COVID, they got to a Western final. Lakers ran them out of the out of the building. They have been one of the teams to beat in the West for a few years now. Obviously, they were injury-challenged and riddled last year with uh, two key guys, two max players out of the lineup. Okay, we get it. Previous to that, they'd been the third-best team in the West for about three, four years, three years running. But I think that Michael Malone now understands with the pieces that he has, and he's got guys now. He's got some... What's the term? Dogs. He's got some guys that now if you can take your cues from these guys, you can be a team that each and every night can impose their will. This is Michael Malone understanding that he has a group that he can challenge like this that maybe he couldn't over the last few years. And. Bringing in KCP, bringing in Bruce Brown, great additions to the lineup. And those dogs that you're talking about, it's those guys. And you hope that a Jamal Murray and a Michael Porter Jr. looks over there and you're like, well, every single second they're on the floor, they're diving on the floor, they're playing hurt. Like, if they can do that and they're not making nearly as much as I'm making, how much more do I need to lift my game? I, I love the tone. I love what I've seen through the first 20-some games. But like you said, it's not how you play in November, December. It's how you look in April, May, and ultimately June. Yeah, no question. And and by the way, you bring up an interesting point. There are ways like this that you can call out guys kind of collectively without doing it individually, but you can still challenge guys. You can be positive on one hand but still challenging them to give you more on the other. Jared Bednar does it all the time. Mm-hmm. And Jared Bednar's got three dogs that are as good as any in the NHL. And he's still doing it. I mean, he called them out the other night in a 5 nothing loss at Winnipeg, saying, didn't like any of it. I didn't like anything that I saw. You know, and boom, they respond the way that they did last night in Buffalo. It is a really interesting style that you have. Uh, you know, Michael Malone uses the term grown-up, grown-ass men, right? That's what he is as a coach. Mm-hmm. He and he is, comes from that Popovich tree. No question. And he is a guy that knows now that he's got dudes that in that locker room now that you can bounce this stuff off of, and they're not going to take any affront to it. And the key is, the the honest key is, will the trickle down to the guys that have been there get there? Nikola Jokic is so flipping good that he helps you win every night anyway. The two guys that are the biggest questions are Jamal Murray Mm -hmm. and MPJ. So really, you can isolate it down to two guys. 
are they getting the message of, and I think Jamal Murray is the guy that's there that can get there. It's just whether or not he's comfortable physically. MPJ is always to me going to be the X factor in that regard. But anyway, just a little bit of a different tone, a little bit of a different expectation from Michael Malone this year with the Denver Nuggets. Oh, and by the way, check the records. It's working. They're right there at the top of the Western Conference. When we continue, let's get to it. Just in case you missed it, the final word coming up here in just a moment. What do we got, Alex? Oh, the Buffs had an agonizing loss last night. We'll discuss that. And Jeremy Fowler confirmed what many have been thinking. That's all coming up next on Morning Drive on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Did, did the LeBron Space Jam be just Peter? I just it was no, so bad. Bruce, there was no don't traction. Watch it. Just it was don't awful. even. No, just, like it should be removed from the yeah. archives of film history. Who even thinks that's a good idea? When you had Bill Murray and and Michael Jordan and that whole crew in the original Space Jam, which was flipping awesome because it was so new and so different. And the soundtrack, which is my senior year of high school, when they were like, "What should we make for the soundtrack?" I said. Take the Space Jam soundtrack, <laughs> plug it in, and let's go play ball. Oh, my God. Uh, all right, let's go. Just in case you missed it, let's get to it. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. All right, guys, just in case you missed it, last night in college hoops, Colorado blew a lead to Arizona State and wound up losing by a point, 60 to 59. Colorado was up 56-44 with 6.07 left in the second half and couldn't hold the lead. They missed three front end, one and one, one on the uh, at the free throw line. And Tad Boyle called it easily a top five loss in the 13 years that he's been there. How agonizing of a loss was this for the Buffaloes? Well, obviously, Tad, who's been who's been on the sideline for a lot of games in various places over the years, uh, that's all you need to know. This team has been interesting to this point. They've had some high points. They've had a couple of head scratchers. Last night, to me, was a head scratcher. Grambling was a head scratcher. But every time that, you're scra- that you start scratching your head, then you get a Tennessee. So this team is capable, but you're trying to find leadership. You're trying to find consistency. Here's the thing for me. They've got Tad Boyle running the ship. They'll get this thing figured out. That was a tough one last night to a team they should have beat, plain and simple. And my college basketball coach, <laughs> God rest his soul, 
He told me once, he's like, being a college basketball coach is the most frustrating thing because I look at you tremendous athletes. But then I also look at you 18, 19 year old The knuckleheads. And yeah, I'm right. like, okay, you got you got girlfriend issues, you got school issues. And so young basketball teams have these issues where a Tennessee comes into town and you're like, okay, this is a great opportunity. Mom and dad are watching it at home, girlfriend's watching it at home, time to show out. And then they drop a game against Arizona State. It's just what happens with college basketball, I feel like. They just got these young guys. Some nights. They're just 18-year-olds and not these elite athletes that we try to build them up to be. You just never know. All right, Colorado High School football championships tomorrow with the 5A matchup being Cherry Creek versus Valor for the third year in a row, fifth time overall. The 4A matchup is Broomfield versus Loveland. Um, I do a lot of high school football play-by-play, so I'm really into this stuff. Do you guys have any interest in the high school football state championships tomorrow at Mile High? You know, I have interest in it. I just don't know much outside of Dave Logan and the juggernaut, right? I mean, so I know that I know that that's the team to beat. How many times? So they're yeah, they're the public school, and then they're playing Valor, the big private yeah. school. So that matchup is really fun to me. You, you know, you get the private school, the public school. You get, you know, how many is Logan won in a row now? Three. Uh, yes, three. Three straight state championships, but state championships are always interesting to me. They are fun. They are meaningful for so many youngsters that this this is the pinnacle of what you will ever. Uh, be in for your athletic career. So many careers will be ending uh, for for so many high school athletes. So yeah, it's not a radar thing for us. High school sports, at least generally in television, other than the folks at, at Channel 9, which do a really nice job, and I, and I tip my hat to them uh, for doing it, it's not covered generally in this market. But you're damn right. State Championship Saturday, December 3rd. It's pretty cool. And for me, who grew up on the East Coast, went to a private school for two years, went to a public school for two years. Private and public don't play each other. Right. So it's fascinating for Ah, me to be like, oh, okay. Like the private school can face the public school. Because I know how that would go down in the D.C. area. Because there's, you know, private school, that's all the rich kids. And then you got the public school. Those are all, you know, the kids that can't go to Ford to go to the private school. So I find it fascinating that these two schools can play each other. Is Creek a prohibitive favorite in this game? They are. Yeah, yep. that's what I thought. They okay. Are. All right. What else you got? Uh, the, we are about out of time today. Real the quickly show. then, real quickly. Deion Sanders, does he become the head football coach at the University of Colorado this weekend? Alex, Zach, Zach with a thumbs yes. up already. Alex, Two saying, for two back here. Two yes. for two? I find it hard for prime time to come to Boulder. However, here's a little nugget. Josh McCown's son just went to the portal. Deion Sanders' son plays quarterback. Bruce, you're a father. You do anything for your kid, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Deion is prime time, but at the end of the day, he's a dad. I'm betting on run, Ralphie, run. And you know what? I'm here for it. Let's go. I I don't care what it what kind of circus it becomes. <laughs> I'm all about it. And we'll be there. I'm all about it. Guys, thanks for everything. Have a great weekend. Be good or be bad, whichever is more fun. Safe travels for you, my friend. You're on the Dave House, <laughs> our executive sports producer special. Tomorrow morning, what time's your flight out? 6.30 a.m., ladies got and gentlemen. It. Have a good weekend, everybody. Later.